Hello and welcome back to Building Wealth on the Go, a podcast by KLT Wealth Management. My name is Brad Wilson, financial advisor with KLT Wealth Management, and I'm joined by my colleagues, certified financial planner Joe Filiomeni and qualified associate financial planner Courtney Beach. Today, we are actually doing a video uh, Zoom call uh, with this podcast today. So we're going to be putting the video portions out onto YouTube. So if that's a platform that you use and like to listen or watch your podcasts on, you can go see the video version there uh, if you are listening to it on uh, any of the other platforms now. So moving forward, we're going to give this a try and see how it works out. Um, But we are back with episode 14 of our podcast. We've taken a, a few week break. Um, and are here. There's lots to talk about when it comes to the economic conditions and specifically within Canada. There's lots of news swirling around. So there's lots to talk about. So today is July 16th, 2020. Um, And I think the big thing that we're going to just dive right into today is talking about, uh, we had uh, Morneau come out, the finance minister for Canada uh, last week giving a budget update um, and uh, giving insight into what the deficit is going to look like for Canada. So he came out and threw the big number of $343 billion out. So Joe, do you want to talk a bit about uh, what that kind of means and and what the state of uh, the Canadian economy is? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I guess the big question is, you know, were we surprised? Were we surprised? (laughs) You know, we knew that there was going to be a deficit. Were we thinking it was higher, maybe lower? Uh, you know, it seems like the market has taken that all in stride, mm-hmm. you know, with the announcement. So I don't think it was a really big surprise that, you know, we went into debt during this crisis. Um, so I wanted to kind of look at uh, and have some discussion in, in the broader aspect of sort of Canada and, and how this sort of impacts Canada. First and foremost, let's play devil's advocate a little bit. You know, because a lot of people say, you know, the government shouldn't have this amount of debt. They shouldn't be, you know, uh, basically this is impacting our future, our kids' future, our grandkids' future. Um, so, so let's sort of back up a little bit. If at the time that the virus hit, if there was no governmental support there was no wage subsidies, there was no rent subsidies, there was, there was no programs to help people. What would the situation would have looked like? You know, A lot of people would have been in dire straits, that's for sure. Oh, for sure, for sure. Because let's, let's figure, a lot of people, us included, in March, we, when we were told about the virus and everybody suggested on shutting down, everybody says, okay, we'll, we'll shut down. We're going to, we're going to close out. It was a bit of a holiday, right? Just let's take a little bit of a break. And everybody was willing to do so. If there was no government support for a lot of those businesses out there, how many would have actually shut down? Okay. In which case, then that would have increased the cases of the virus and the virus spreading. So I think we would have had a lot of issues, especially here in Canada. So we needed this support ultimately, I feel, you know, in order to help us get uh, into a better position, which we are in, you know, albeit that we're we're in debt. Um, I think some of the facts and figures, I think the economy contracted something like four to six percent, you know, during this period of time. Uh, Analysts looking at the situation without any government support, we would have probably contracted somewhere in around 11, 12%. Mm-hmm. So there was some benefit. There was obviously a lot of benefit, I feel, uh, 
you know, um, with the government coming forward with the debt. So and, and I and I'm I'm happy that the way that the government sort of stepped in mm-hmm. both levels of government, ultimately the federal and and the provincial government. So, yeah. so what do you think? Sort of, you know, I think what ended up happening is the money that the government poured in kind of formed the floor that was sort of uh, helping the, the economy from like total collapse. And, and that's what it was needed. So now we're, we're in the situation, we have this debt. What's our next step? Yeah, well, I think just, just to backpedal a little bit, I think part of the, uh, the criticism, I think a lot of analysts were thinking, yeah, we're spending a lot of money, but it wasn't gonna be that much. And the spending isn't over, right? He's just, they've just expended the wage subsidy till um, pretty much almost the end of the year for business, small businesses. Um, and uh, I think the, the comparison comes, okay, looking at uh, what other countries around the world are doing. And sure, spending all the money definitely was a big help, but where are we going to pay for it and how are we going to pay for it? Is it going to be lots of higher taxes in the future? Is it going to be cuts uh, to programs? What is it going to be? That's the big unknown. And then the other is, is comparing it maybe to uh, some other countries out there. Um, did they take a better approach? Maybe could they have handled it better in terms of where the money was allocated? But I do agree that um, the government doing what they did is the reason why we are are where we are today and the rebound that we've had. Um, and I think the success that we have had relative to some of the other countries in, in terms of the economic rebound. But um, I think the question was, was it too much? Was it properly allocated? Um, and I think those are some of the questions that um, the government's being asked right now by a lot of opposition and, uh, and other, others in the industry. Yeah, well, I mean, let's face it, this is a huge event that happened. Um, I mean, this is hopefully a once in a lifetime sort of event, once in a generation event. We haven't seen spending like this since the Second World War. And this budget, this deficit that has come out is just a projection at this point. Like they factored in things, they factored in spending that they haven't committed to spending yet. For instance, uh, extending some of the benefits that you're talking about, Brett. They've extended some, but they haven't extended all of them. So it'll be interesting to see if they actually spend or need to spend the money that they have. Yeah. And then also the credit rating for Canada dropped when it comes to, uh, so just how Canada is being perceived on a global scale when it comes to um, the strength in the economy, um, how um, good they are on their debt um, and everything like that. So that's, that's something to watch as well, right? When it comes to, um, that rating dropping, that was, that was big news as well. Yeah, that, uh, you know, that sort of, sort of leads into sort of the, the topic of Canada in general mm-hmm. as an economic power. And, and we've talked about it in the past is, is how Canada uh, is limited in its resources. And I know yeah. when we build our portfolios and build our investment portfolios, we, we are mo- mostly global. Uh, we don't have like a Canadian bias. Um, because at the end of the day, what do we have in Canada? Like we have resources and finance. Resources and finance. Yeah, we have a small tech sector. We gotta yeah. we gotta recognize that we do have a small tech sector. And and I know in previous years the government has been trying to push to build that tech sector, which I get mm-hmm. I applaud them for that. I think that that's the the avenue to go to because of course that's what's driving this this global economy growth mm-hmm. back up is, is the tech sector. But the, the two factors, uh, you know, the resources and the banks. Okay, well, the banks, now we're in a low interest rate environment. 
and right. likely to be in a lower interest environment. As you, we had spoken before, the Bank of Canada announced that they would keep their rate at a quarter basis point, and it's likely they won't increase to, what did you say, the 2022? 2022, it looks like, yeah. Potentially. Okay, so a low rate environment for banks, so they can't make money. So nope. then that there's an issue there. And now as we're starting to kind of reopen the economy and we will see, we will continue to see closures and businesses not reopening. And so then there will be unemployment. There is likely to be loan losses for the banks mm -hmm. as well, right? Sort of moving yeah. forward. So Canada is going to have, you know, a difficult time in kind of getting back into sort of the general, the, the positive as it would be. And, and they're going to have a challenge in, in paying off this debt. But do we really have to worry about the debt today? <laughs> I don't think we do. I think it's, I don't know, it's a lot something... of people do. Like yeah. a lot of people are really worried about the, the debt for tomorrow. Yeah. Where I think today we have to worry about reopening. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think today it's not about worrying about that deficit. That's a problem for next year, the year after that, and the future years and decades to come. Um, but I think to your point, Joe, with like, what do we have in Canada? I just uh, saw an article uh, with BNN stating that, uh, the um, Business uh, Development Canada, they're coming out trying to support companies with intellectual property uh, in Canada. So they're really pushing for innovation within Canada. Businesses coming out with IP um, where they can protect that and invest in that in Canada because I think they are seeing that we need to innovate and evolve across different industries domestically because we need those industries to be able to thrive when things come crashing down or, um, or the industries change, right? The world's changing. We're moving away from maybe oil and, and uh, right. And looking for more renewable sources of, uh, of energy. And so, yeah, there's lots of, lots of things to, to look at, but I think that's important that the government is seeing that they need to start investing in uh, intellectual property and new innovative uh, ideas for businesses in Canada. Yeah. Another industry I see, I've seen them moving sort of, not necessarily away from, but not highlighting as much as manufacturing. That's a big manufacturing sector here in Southern Ontario. And every once in a while, you see the politicians out trying to plug for more manufacturers, but I have seen less of that in the last few years. Yeah. So I think uh, that's a good overview of Canada right now. I think we should just touch a little bit on current status, um, as there was news that Ontario is entering stage three of reopening as of uh, Friday, so tomorrow. Um, yeah, so that, well, yeah, most, yeah, so most of us, yeah, that's a good point. So most of Ontario, there are a few GTA, Windsor area um, that are being, uh, you know, were held back. They were held back for stage two reopening. Um, so they'll be held back, it looks like, for stage three. But um, that is pretty much most of the economy reopening. And, uh, uh, you know, there's, you can't eat at all you can eat buffets yet. You can't eat at, you can't go to amusement mm -hmm. parks, concerts, sporting events anything like that. But a lot of other businesses like movie theaters, indoor restaurants, uh, those are going to be able to reopen. So um, what is that going to look like come Friday and come the following weeks? How is the economy going to look when it comes to stage three? Yeah, I don't know. I actually did hear that sporting events will be open with social distancing. I'm not quite sure how they're going to manage to do that. I mean, um, it'll be interesting to see how people react. Um, I mean, we've put so much sacrifice in our daily lives to stop the spread of this virus. 
and it'll be interesting to see if people can hold themselves back from enjoying those things they miss in order to continue that uh, endeavor. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're going to have like, you know, a group of people that are just going to be rushing out to get into their favorite restaurant to sit inside and whatnot. And then you're going to have a lot of people that are still going to be very cautious about that and maybe continue doing the takeout or sitting out on the patio and whatnot, not to be in crowds. Um, Canadians, you know, I think everybody sort of understands Canadians compared to Americans and we see what's happening down in, in the U.S. I, I think we're much more cautious about it. You know, yeah. there's, there's a few uh, high flyers. Uh, <laughs> I, I was uh, hearing on the, uh, on the news early this morning of, uh, of a situation at a, I think at a no frills or, or something near Toronto. Um, so you get people that, you know, don't want to wear the masks, Aww. you know, and, and that's, that might be a bit of a challenge, but I think for most part Canadians are willing to stay the course. Mm -hmm. uh, I personally think it's a great idea. I think the way that Premier Ford has has brought out and, and kind of opened up sort of the, the economy uh, systematically and cautiously, it, to me it makes sense. Uh, now I'm, I, may not, I may not be saying that if I was a hairdresser, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I may be very upset of the way he handled things. But you know, uh, as he continues to say, which I, I totally agree, it, it's it's not necessary. Yes, I want to get the economy going. I want to get businesses back running. But at the same time, I want to keep everybody safe. And, uh, you know, we're seeing that in the States where they're having to shut down again. Yeah, I think that's an important comparison is, is you look at, uh, we saw pictures on the news and we're all here in stage two, where we're not allowed to really go indoors, we're all wearing masks and you see some of the, the craziness, especially down in the south in Florida, you know, and they're hitting 15,000 cases a day. Uh, and it's, and it's astonishing to see kind of that happening. And you're, you're kind of looking at like, oh, we, we don't want to turn into to what that is, we don't want to hit those numbers, we don't want to uh, run into that situation. So I think you're right. I think it's been a good gradual reopening. And I think even though we're entering phase three, a lot of the restrictions when it comes to masks on transportation, masks on indoors, you know, unless you're eating, um, you know, wearing a mask and, and those, that's going to be uh, the situation, I think, for a little while until we can get a hold of, you know, containment and, and eventually vaccine for it, which yeah. um, there has been news around lately that trials mm -hmm. are going well for the vaccines. Moderna specifically, one of the vaccine, uh, we're working on one of the vaccines, their stock recently went up significantly. Uh, they had a 30 person trial where antibodies were found in every single person. Um, so uh, there were some side effects and it obviously was a small sample size, but it looks like they're going to be opening it up to about 30,000 person trial um, starting this month. So that's good news to see on that front. And it's, you know, hopeful that once we move into those next stages of these, of these vaccine trials, that they're able to succeed in the manner that they've succeeded uh, in the earlier phases. But I think that's created a lot of optimism, not only for, for people saying, okay, what we're doing is working and the, the medical professionals are working on a vaccine so that we can get back to as much of a, a normal as possible. Um, and then also that's creating some confidence in the markets at the exact same time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have well, to have the big picture with this where, yeah, the sacrifices now, but this will better our economy and our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a, and a big shout out to Canada. 
you know, in, yeah. in Quebec, there's a Quebec-based company that uh, has is gone to human trials okay. uh, of their vaccine. I think out there, uh, out east, there's another company as well. So I, you know, kudos to to the Canadian companies that uh, are in the running here to uh, to get that uh, vaccine to market. And uh, I think the big concern with the vaccine is whether or not the virus is uh, changing, it's adapting. And currently, based on sort of what I've heard uh, in some news reports, is it hasn't been changing. So the virus has been staying constant, so it hasn't been uh, changing. So then that means that the vaccine that they're currently producing will work for that particular virus and, and, and it won't sort of genetically be modified. Uh, I think the concern in, in come fall time is whether or not the coronavirus will actually, you know, uh, uh, do something with the, our regular flu virus that mm-hmm. kind of moves around and kind of morph into something. So that, I think, is the concern. But back to sort of opening and, and, and closing, like how terrible w- would you feel at this point in time, like in Canada or in Ontario, if we had to close again? Yeah, like I think that's you know, and I think that's the feelings that uh, they're getting down in the U.S. They just opened up, and now they have to close back again. I think mm-hmm. from a from a business point of view, it's terrible. I think from an emotional, a stressful point of view, I think it's 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 really really hard on on the individual business and and the businesses at large because you're in sort of. Uh, no man's land, essentially. You, you don't know where, which way, what to do. So I think that that would be a very stressful situation. So I'm kind of encouraged of, of the way things are going now here in Ontario and uh, very hopeful that um, we'll hit potentially the stage four at some point in time. Yeah, and I think even with pressures from from industries and businesses, like you look at the travel industry, you pretty much got Air Canada and the and the airlines begging the government to to allow for more flights, allow for that. But I think them being strict on the borders, right, closing down the borders. I saw something that said five thousand Americans tried to cross the Canadian borders in the last couple of weeks to do shopping, to travel, to get out, and you know we're denied access, right, with the borders being shut down. And I think it's just um, you know that cautiousness and as you said, Joe, applauding Canada for what they've done in Ontario and all the provinces, because um, this has been tough because, you know, you're hurting your own domestic industries with Air Canada and those, those, bus- yeah. those businesses that are really struggling um, and are going to take a long time to rebound as well. They'll probably take three, four years before they can get back to having every seat filled on an airplane, right? Or things like that. So, um, you know, aside from those pressures, the government is still standing strong, saying that we've got to look at the long-term picture and have really, really taken a slower pace to this, which has benefited all of us. Because as you said, if we have to close down again, that is an added stress to everyone. Again, more layoffs, different, um, you know, they're having to add more funds to the to the economy, right? More support systems, more uh, emergency benefits, right? So um, that would just kind of add to another new snowball effect, which we want to avoid. Yeah, and we're and we're we're hearing about the layoffs, you know, mm-hmm. at Pearson, five hundred people yep. laid off. You know, uh, WestJet, you know, a few weeks ago announced their layoffs as well. I think inevitably that that was going to happen. We knew that that was sort of going to happen, and in light of the fact that you know our borders will continue to be closed for you know a little bit. We don't know how much longer, but uh, it, 
it, it's an interesting balancing act that the government has to do. Yeah, on the one side, they want to reopen the economy in order to get dollars running in order to pay down this debt of all this money that they've come up with, that they've created. Okay. And then on the other hand, they have to keep people safe as yeah. well and, and avoid sort of a second shutdown. So it is a balancing act that, uh, that they, have to, they have to go through. For sure. I think one of the markets that has done well are the industries, the housing market. Uh, amongst everything, it's kind of powered through it. It has seen a bit of a freeze back in, in March, April. But again, we're seeing numbers that are growing in June with regards to the housing market. So it is still something that's roaring strong amidst everything, uh, which is, you know, somewhat can be surprising. But at the same time, you know, uh, where are these buyers coming from, right? <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing. I think the low rate environment is driving a lot of people to buy right now as well. But uh, it's, it's, inter it's interesting to see that the housing market is being so, so strong. Oh yeah, it's that, the, the low interest environment and now potentially that low interest environment, uh, you know, until 2022. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to buy a house? Why wouldn't you want to buy a property? And then, then it comes down to supply and demand because ultimately, the supply was limited before we got into the COVID yeah. situation and demand was high. Um, so, you know, moving forward with the continued low interest rate environment, it just, you know, sparks people to say, okay, well, now's the time to do it and, and uh, get into sort of real estate or move up or, you know, in, into a larger house at this stage of the game. And if you can financially do it, why not? Mm -hmm. Right. Like yeah. if, if you're, you've got some stability with your job, why wouldn't you sort of make that trade and kind of move, move up, uh, you know, in real estate. But I guess the question is, is uh, at what point in time will that demand kind of subside? Because in previously we've talked about sort of where the demand's coming from. A lot of it's coming from immigration, right? Mm -hmm. So immigration is, we're shut, we're closed, uh -huh. yeah. we're having it right and so the question is when did that immigration start opening up I guess at the same time that the borders start opening up I think we'll continue to uh, you know welcome uh, immigrants into Canada and that demand will continue yeah I think the the big thing too is the real estate markets had to shift like there's no more open houses nothing so even seeing a home right I think people are almost more eager because they haven't had the chance to walk in and they're like everyone's looking at the same pictures I'm looking at I need to get in so I think uh, that's added a whole new twist to the, to the market. And you look at that with every industry, right? This has caused industries to pivot. And uh, that's one of them that I think has still continued to see that demand. And even though you can't go and walk through a house, uh, you know, on, on the Sunday and just browse around on all the open houses, you have to have uh, short scheduled, um, you know, walkthroughs. It's, it's creating a lot of, a lot more buzz in those situations. Yeah, and um, although there are some companies like WestJet, for instance, that are laying people off, there are other companies that are gearing up to get opened again. Mm -hmm. So there's probably got to be a reassurance for some of the market that they've got the money and the funds to go ahead and make that purchase they've been waiting for. Yeah, and we have seen a lot more jobs uh, being added to the, mm -hmm. uh, to the market. A lot more are being part-time jobs. So um, I think some companies are, are hesitant to hire full time again, knowing that if there's a second wave, if we have to shut down again, they might be hesitant to, to, to add those full time positions back right now. But it is good news to see that jobs are being created. 
um, whether they're part-time or full-time, they are being created in, in this environment right now as we reopen. And hopefully once we enter stage three, that um, opens the door for a lot more opportunities for people to get back to work. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, moving, moving forward to kind of conclude the podcast, I think we should look at uh, just the, the markets in general. And what are we seeing? What's the outlook looking like for the, the markets as we head into the end of July, into August here? Um, I know when it comes to the, the U.S., um, we're, with every podcast we do, we get closer to the U.S. election. So there's always news surrounding that kind of going on and, and impacting it. But I think overall, the markets have had some steady growth week over week. Um, and we've, we've seen them retest some highs because we did have a bit of pullback in June, um, but they've retested the June highs and look to be surpassing those. Um, so uh, let's, let's kind of discuss a bit what the, what the market outlook looks like. Yeah, I think, I think we're still in a bit of a trading range. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so we haven't quite broken through sort of that range in order to kind of substantiate that we're actually moving in one direction or another. I think as, as we can continue to grow, I think the chances of significant pullback is, is less and less. Um, so um, one analyst uh, that we've been listening to has indicated that we're probably in the, the early beginnings of uh, a new bull market. <laughs> and it's going to be rough. It's going to be tough. It's going. It's not going to be easy. And and we're going to bounce around for a bit. But essentially, I think that's where we're heading into, is that bull market. Uh, we've talked about this in the past that you know that the market is forward looking and stuff. So it is sort of taking all this current information in stride because it's it's already discounted that information and it's looking forward to the reopenings. Yes. Yeah. So um, that being said. Um, I think technology uh, continues to kind of drive the market. Yeah. Right? Primarily, it seems to be, you know, the, the main driver. And the last, I think, uh, few trading sessions, it's more been technology than, than the broader base sort of uh, um, economies or, or, or groups of companies that we've seen earlier. So when we see the broader base, that, that to us means uh, more sustainable, long, longer term growth. Um, yeah. When we see it's just one sector kind of pulling it, potentially you could have uh, a lot more volatility. Yeah. And I think the technology has been leading the way right now because it's the most sure sector. Like we're still using technology given everything that's going on. Whereas all the other industries, there's too many questions uh, about what's going to happen. Are we going to shut down again? Are they going to survive? So I think that's why we're seeing the tech sector shoot above the rest right now. Mm -hmm. I think you can also lump in into the tech sector as the ones that are succeeding is the companies that have been successful in working from home. Those that, you know, we've, we've seen, you know, last quarter earnings start to come out and companies that have succeeded in the work from home model, those companies are seeing a lot of, of growth because um, they're seen as being flexible. They can have be working at the office, be working from home, have a hybrid model in place and still be successful in whatever they're doing. So I think those companies, um, obviously leveraging tech, probably have some sort of connection to the tech industry, but those companies as well, we're, we're seeing a lot of growth from and they are the ones pulling the market across. But I think as you said, Joe, overall, I think the, it could be rough and tough over the next few months through the rest of the year, but I think we could be entering a, you know, the start of a bull market. So mm -hmm. lots of uh, lots to, to keep our eye on as we move forward. But I think that's a great place to end uh, this episode of the podcast. We'll be back in 
August, at the end of August with another episode. And then we'll uh, be back in the fall after that with our bi-weekly schedule uh, wrapping up in December this season. So make sure to stay tuned for that. We have been releasing a bunch more videos on our YouTube channel. Uh, so make sure to go check those out. And we have recently started a socially responsible investment series on the YouTube channel as well. So check those out and let us know your thoughts in the comments below and we will see you with the next episode. Thank you for listening. Please note that the opinions and ideas shared are from the viewpoint of KLT Wealth Management. They do not reflect the opinion or viewpoints of Investia Financial Services, Inc. or any other partners. The commentary provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. You should not act upon the content or information discussed here without first seeking the appropriate personalized advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We try to provide content that is true and accurate as of the date of recording. However, we give no assurance or warranty regarding the accuracy, timeliness, or applicability of any of the contents. We assume no responsibility for information consumed through this podcast and disclaim all liability in respect of such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Mutual funds and or approved exempt market products are offered through Investia Financial Services, Inc. Insurance products are provided through multiple insurance carriers and or approved exempt market products are offered through Investia Financial Services, Inc.